Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your city upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in to the podcast. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Hey, we're helping you turn your cities upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies so you can get out there and get some stuff done for your King, King Jesus, that is. And I'm telling you, it's grace for this city because it said that great grace was upon them and they did many signs, wonders, and miracles. And it was this group of people that had the grace on them that was able to turn their worlds or their cities, wherever God called them, upside down. And, uh, you know, the book of Acts, say, is not over. It's not really the Acts of the Apostle as much as it is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And while he is still on the earth inside of the believer, then that book is being uh, continued. There's a continuation Holy Spirit is still doing what he's doing, uh, still doing today, what he was doing in Bible days and even greater things. Hallelujah. We're going from faith to faith, glory to glory. It's a compounding, exponentially increasing movement and trajectory that we're on. So praise the Lord for that. That's what we're doing. Thank you again for tuning in. Share the podcast with somebody that you love. It'll encourage them and strengthen them and join us in praying for the podcast. Listen, the effectual fervent prayers, this is in James 5, of a righteous person, just like you, the one listening, makes tremendous power available. And that's what we need. Wherever this podcast goes, wherever it lands in the nations, somebody here, somebody there, people everywhere, whenever they tune into it, that there would be power, there would be the anointing on that spoken word, and it would set people free. Hallelujah. So thank you for your prayer partnership. All right, we're going to jump right into this. And uh, we're going to look at a few thoughts today. Holy Ghost is going to help us. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for helping us right now. Just join me in prayer. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. You know exactly what needs to be said. You know what doesn't need to be said. So we look to you right now. Reveal the word. Cause it to come alive in our hearts and in our spirits so that it'll leap up in our hearts so faith can come in the name of Jesus. And we'll leave this time we have together totally different. Faith to faith, glory to glory. We're we will increase even now in the name of Jesus. All right, so I had on my heart this morning to talk about living proof, or we could say it like this, fruit is proof. The fruit is proof. And uh, let's jump right into this. Have you ever wondered why you seem, or maybe somebody else seems to be getting more carnal? Remember, Paul came to the Corinthians church in 1 Corinthians like in chapter three, I'm thinking of. And he said, man, there's a whole lot of things that I want to talk to you about. But he, but he said this, but I'm unable to, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I'm unable to because of the carnality. He said, you're acting like mere men rather than the spiritual people you're supposed to be. And you know what? This is a, a, um, a reality that even though you may be born again, I am, I hope you are. If you're not, you need to accept Jesus Christ today, friend, do not delay. Call on him as your Lord and Savior right now. But those who are born again, there's something about how God has orchestrated this thing to where we grow, we develop, we increase. We have everything by right of inheritance, 
But as far as being skillful in the things that are ours, some people are on different levels and they've not developed uh, in their ability to walk in righteousness, to receive certain things, to demonstrate this or to have that reality in their life. It's theirs by way of being born again into the, the oikos, the household of God. But some people are not literally walking in what's theirs by right of lack of development or lack of humility or lack of applying themselves, disciplining themselves to develop the skill in the things that is theirs. You know, I have some, um, you know, I have, uh, we have a drum set at home. We have a piano. This is a great example here. We have a piano, but just because I have the piano doesn't mean that my skill is developed in the use of that piano or in playing that piano. That piano can make some phenomenal sounds. Justin can't uh, work them because my skill, my discipline in that area has not been developed. There is a lot of believers who have a lot of things that's theirs by right of their birthright, but they haven't developed it. It's there, but they can't make it make music. They can't make it sound good because they haven't applied themselves. So here's Paul, he came to them and he said, look, there's a lot of things that I wanna talk to you about, but I can't because you're carnal and the carnality sometimes, the fleshiness can limit or restrict what God wants to do or wants to show you, wants to demonstrate you, it can hinder you from going to places he wants to take you because of carnality or fleshiness. We might say impurities or, you know, just worldliness. Um, these things are limitations. Again, let me say this. You're not trying to get something. When you were born again, you are something. For, for example, you are righteous. You're not trying to be righteous. You have his righteousness. That's a birthright. But you have to walk that out. You have to demonstrate that. Faith without works is dead. Your righteousness may be dead in this sense if you're not literally practicing what you're preaching or practicing what you're learning. Let me give you a scripture, James 1, 22. But be what? Doers of the word and not, come on, hearers only. Here's, here's the very important thing. Lest you deceive yourself. This is a real-time real thing. We're seeing this happen right now. There are people who know the word, but they don't do the word. And if you continue in your knowledge of the word, but you refuse to do the word, now listen, God's not putting this on you. It's just how it works, is you'll, you'll end up getting off and you'll get into error. This is what he said. You can't just hear, 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 hear. You know what's right, but if you don't ever do it, the Bible says you've crossed over into a form of, some level, I, I don't know how to measure it or quantify it, but he says you've, you've entered into a dangerous place and it's the place of deception. So you have to hear the word and then do it. So if you've ever wondered, okay, why you yourself or somebody else might be going into a more carnal, worldly, fleshly place, I'm not saying they're losing their salvation, but the Bible makes it clear. There are spiritual things that cannot get to you. You won't walk in them if you go this route. People are going to church. They're even looking into the scriptures. There are ministers even who are ministering the word, yet going in a place, a very dangerous place. They're ministering the word, but behind the scenes, they're not doing it. That's, that's a dangerous place. And uh, God doesn't want you to be there. He, he, he wants you to uh, begin to do, demonstrate, actualize, realize. He wants you to be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. He wants you, your soul part and the physical part, the fleshy part of you to experience and to live in the realities of what's possible spiritually through the fact that you're born again. What about people who are going to church and they're even listening to more sermons yet they're becoming more carnal? Well, the answer is in James 1. We have to do the word. We can't just hear it. We can't just turn it on on a Sunday. You can't just listen to this podcast and think you're okay. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through, through the podcast, through a sermon, well, there's grace available then at the hearing of the word to implement it on some level. Now, if I use the piano analogy again here, we have a piano. And if I don't implement the knowledge that I have and begin to apply my due diligence to study the show myself approved in the notes and in the movements and in the disciplines. If I do, well, let me flip it. If I do apply myself with what I have, with the light that I have, the understanding that I have, guess what? That will grow. The ability will increase. My skill will increase. There'll be grace upon me through my diligence to apply what I know, what I understand, what I see, the light that I have. God will add the increase. If I don't do that, then in the Bible, in the book of Mark, it says, even what you do have will be taken from you. Listen, these are laws. God's not arbitrarily just, oh, you're stupid, let me take that from you. No, no, no. These are laws put in place that work for anybody, everywhere, at any time the same way. And if you don't apply what you have, if, you, if you're not diligent, if you haven't studied the show yourself approved, a workman under God, okay, that stands there before him with the pure, pure conscience and begin to implement what you've learned, then what you do have will be taken from you. L listen, friend, and I think that's a word of the Lord, and I'm just releasing it. it God isn't just, uh, again, God isn't just arbitrarily going around saying, you're stupid, let me take it from you. He's encouraging us right now to work the laws in our advantage don't get in a position where the laws of God begin to work against you. Don't lose what you do have. Begin to implement what you know now faithfully. Discipline yourself to be consistent in what you know. We're not talking about what you don't know. We're talking about what you do know. Um, you know, now, ig uh, ignorance is not bliss, but, but that's another conversation. But the main thing right now is what do you know? What do you know is right? What do you know is pure? What do you know you need to be doing? Do those things. And the law says that more will be added to you. If you ignore what you know, the law says even what you do have will be taken from you. So let's dig into this. We, we want to talk about uh, that fruit, living proof, or fruit is proof. Um, Matthew seven fifteen. Here's where we see something very important. Matthew seven fifteen. It says, "Beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves." Verse sixteen. This is the phrase. You will know them by their fruit. Listen. You do not have to be afraid. You do not have to entertain ideas that you're going to be taken uh, off guard. You're going to be caught unaware. No, the Bible says you will know, in particularly here, 
you will know false prophets. Uh, you'll know people who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. You will know people. In fact, in another place in the scripture, he's, he's, he's talking about that we're going to get to this place to where we, we no longer respond to one another after the flesh, but we know one another after the spirit. He said at one time we knew Christ after the flesh, but no longer. Now we know him after the spirit. And this is where all believers are coming to. This is the possibility uh, that we have now because we're born again. We're resurrected beings. Hallelujah for that. And we can know one another after the spirit. Well, well, but he's saying the fruit though is a telling sign. Now in context, he's saying in particularly against false things, but really this is a universal principle. You'll know the good, you'll, you'll know the bad. By what? By the fruit. He says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. You know what a fig is because it comes off of a fig tree. Or let me say it like this. You know the fig tree because it produces figs. He says, even so, every tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Friends, that is a fearful thing. Verse 20, therefore, you will know. Now, in particularly, he's talking about things that are false, evil, things that you really need to be aware of because these false prophets say, they can put on a facade like sheep's clothing. And so they want to mingle in and they'll look externally just like one of the sheep. But inwardly, he said, they're wolves. They have clothing on. They've cloaked themselves in something that would cause them to appear like they look like everybody else. But he said, the only way that you're going to know because this facade, this, um, what's the word, this mask, say, is so good. Uh, that the clothing, the cloaking, the camouflage that they're wearing is so good that outwardly you may not be able to tell the difference. The only way you'll know is because what's inside is going to come out. There, it's a law. What is inside is going to come out. You can have a facade, but at some point, what's inside is going to come out. It's going to come out their mouth. The Bible says, for the abundance of the heart, for out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. You can begin to hear a thing over time. You can, you know, you can tell. And uh, let me back up a little bit from talking about false prophets, say, or, you know, that level. Maybe that's a little extreme. But somebody who's struggling, somebody who is in error, not to death, or maybe not, um, you know, they're a believer. They love the Lord, but but they're, they're off. They're in deception a little bit or they're denying something. Over time, you can begin to hear the abundance of their heart and you can find out why they're in that situation. You can begin to pick up a little bit on a tone, an attitude. Uh, you can begin to kind of sniff something out. Why? Because what's inside eventually comes out. You cannot, uh, let me say, let me see here. How do we say this? It is impossible to hide indefinitely what's on the inside. Now you can put a very good facade on the outside, but it is impossible to indefinitely hide 
what's going on on the inside. You'll say a thing, you'll begin to do a thing. Your actions will begin to reflect the attitude of your heart. Proverbs said that out of the heart, what? Flow all the issues. So any issues, good or bad, they will begin to flow from the inside out. And at some point you can't contain everything and uh, you can begin to pick up. Now, listen, I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is good because we are called to inspect fruit. And if I can't inspect you, then I may not be able to run with you. If you can't inspect me, then there's a good chance the Lord may lead you to not run with me. Now, we're not arbitrarily saying that I'm called to inspect everybody's fruit, but in the company that God's put you with, there is levels of accountability, levels of authority, checks and balances, if you will. And if no fruit can be inspected, friends, that's problematic. If you refuse to allow somebody to inspect your fruit, the question is, what are you hiding? Now, this is why I want to talk about today. Fruit is proof. That's why we got living proof. Because the Bible says you'll know, even your brothers and sisters, you'll know them by their fruit. Now, let me kind of get into this here because we're living in such a time, friend. We're living in the first John chapter two, and he warned us about the function and the activity of Antichrist that's ramped up. It's ramped up. Uh, we're truly living in prophetic end times. Hallelujah. I love it. It's amazing. You were created for this. So was I. But if you look at if if you look at first uh, John chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, listen, he's telling us here. You're going to know because you're going to you're going to recognize something and you'll have an inward witness. But we're looking for fruit because at the end of the day, you cannot. It is impossible to hide indefinitely what's going on in your heart. It's going to come out. Now, it doesn't mean you're ultimately bad. But in speaking about bad people, you're going to have to learn and you're going to have to be okay with holding people accountable based on their fruit. Because if I can't trust you to run with me, uh, then you're not going to run with me. I have to be able to inspect your fruit. Why? Because the Bible says that these evil people, these imposters will come in, but the only way that you're going to distinguish between them and everybody else is the fruit that's being produced. So we want to have an attitude that says, Lord, examine me. Is Are my hands dirty? Look at my hands. Examine. Is there any unclean or, or, or unclean? Is there any impure thing in me? We're asking the Lord this, but we're also asking appropriate levels and structures of accountability and authority. Is there anything in, are my hands dirty? Is there something in my blind spot that I can't see? Uh, Lord, examine my heart. Why? Because my heart's going to produce something. And he said this, if you don't bear good fruit, you're going to be cut out. Cut out of what? You're going to be cut out of God's plan. If your heart turns sour, Long before that, God will say, look, um, let me prune this. Remember, he's the vine dresser. He's, he, he's going to come in. He's going to say, look, this branch here, this area of your heart, this, 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 this thing that's starting to bud and grow, we've got to nip that. We've got to cut that out. Why? Because if, it, if we let it grow down the road, it's going to produce a fruit in you that's going to diminish the whole thing. And so God, God a long time before, He'll say, hey, um, why don't you check on this? And if you, 
And if you're willing to work with the Lord, he'll prune it. And even though that's painful, but he prunes us. He tra- he cuts away things. He's looking over us, making sure why, what? That we're going to produce optimal fruit. Why? Because fruit is proof in these days, friends. Fruit is proof. You want to see people's fruit. You want to be able to examine people's fruit. You need to get good at examining fruit. We're not talking about judging people. We're not talking about walking around with our nose in the air thinking, you know, that we're the next best thing since sliced bread. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the company that you're running with. You have every right to make sure that everybody who's there is who they say they are and the accountability that everybody is yielded before the Lord. Um, Let me give you this scripture. Go to uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse 16. The Lord just wants me to connect this thought. Here's why, because the company that you're running with you work uh, interdependent. You're not independent. Nobody is independent. Listen, nobody is independent. If you are independent, you're a lone ranger. And in this hour, all lone rangers are wolves. You are not called to be a lone ranger. You are called to be in a body. Several scriptures prove that. This is why. Because in a body, everything works together interdependently. They're not independent. They may be a unique peace, but they work together. Now, if there is something foul in one part of the body, a body that interdependently works together, there's an eco, echo, eco, there's an oikos, there's a household, there is a system there where everybody benefits from one another. Everybody has a supply. Look at this, Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every what? Joint supplies. Every joint has a supply according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth for the entirety of that body and every part that has a supply that lends at that supply, it brings edification to itself. Now listen, if you look at this in a church family or even a nuclear family, the literal family, the mom, dad, and the children, there's a supply and every place of connection, there's a release of that supply, meaning this part shares its supply with another and receives a supply from another. So there is a receptivity and there, there uh, a transmission. Maybe, maybe that's a better word. There's something that is given and something that is received. Listen, this is why you wanna make sure that the people in that ecosystem that they have pure hearts. Because if you're connected to the vine, if you're connected to the central part of that ministry through the headship, through its leadership, whether it be the pastor, the leader, uh, whether it be the husband, the the parents, whatever you're connected to, you're, you're gonna share in that supply, whether it's good, sour, evil, wrong. Now, eventually, if there's something poisonous being spread throughout the body, Somebody's going to go, wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what is this? What is this? Where is that coming from? And that is legitimate. And that is actually practicing good stewardship because you don't want to allow this person over here to fester, come on, indefinitely, to have a sour spirit, a sour heart, something going on where they're disobeying God. They're 
rejecting his counsel, correction, whatever, where he's trying to prune. Why does he prune? Because you don't want that offshoot of something that is um, wrong or evil or whatever. Because if, if, if you ignore that, if the Lord was to ignore it, if you ignore it, or you reject his, his, his pruning, and that, that thing is going to produce something sour, guess what? It's going to bleed into the ecosystem, and somebody else, unsuspecting, ignorant, immature, whatever, they're going to begin to feast on that. This is why sometimes you see in churches or ministries or whatever, as the head goes, so goes the body. And you can have a carnality that's kind of universal in that group because it's things they've allowed. And there's an ecosystem now. That's what's being made available. And you reproduce, come on, whatever's nourishing is not just nourishing the one, it's nourishing everybody because you're, you're interdependent. There's no other way around it. You're interdependent. And if you persist in an environment where they're feeding on carnality, eventually that's what's going to be sourced for you. And if you stay connected to that, you'll start drinking that in. At some point, you'll start feasting on that. You'll start changing your mind on what's pure, what's impure. This is why I'm saying, have you ever noticed? Maybe yourself or some somebody else over a period of time. It's like they're growing more carnal every day. Yes, there's a personal responsibility, but I would have to ask myself and and ask them. Let's take a let's take an inventory of the five people that are closest to you. I would suspect that they're also headed in the same direction that this person is. Why? Because we're not independent. We are interdependent and we we glean off of others, the closest ones, and we share our supply to others, those closest ones. So listen, this is why I'm saying in this hour and in this time, it is imperative that you open yourself up for fruit inspection and you expect the same of others. Now, when I say expect the same, I'm not saying you just go around and you just, yeah, I'm looking into your life. You know, I'm not talking about judging. This is a fearful thing. This is, this is a reverential thing, but this is a lost art. And we're finding more and more people that are less open to be inspected. More people are hiding rather than being transparent and say, inspect me, oh God, inspect me, my accountability, inspecting my leadership. You have to trust leadership. Yeah, yeah, you have to trust counsel. Listen, um, I've been in several instances where, you know, I had to find counsel that I could trust. I had to find counsel that I would ultimately submit to. I had to submit to that. I had to willingly say, whatever they say, I'm going to do. And if you, if you're unwilling to do that, then you don't need them as counsel. That's just at the end of the day, that's just where that that's at. But you need to find that place where you say, you know what? This is where I believe God has called me. And together, and I believe that these people, whatever this this group, obviously if the Lord led you, then you know there's some element there that you gotta be open to that. But you know what? Everybody has the opportunity at some point in time to reject the Lord. Again, I just go back to this thought here. And I just wanna encourage you with this, that in this hour and in this day and in this time, if, if, if people are not open for inspection, if they refute you when you want to examine their fruit, I'm just saying 
it's indicative of the times that we live in. You need to be watchful of that. Again, in context, so let, let me jump back here. He said, you'll know them by their fruit. He said, in context, we are being given a strategy to know how to tell the difference between someone, false prophets in this case, whose goal over a period of time is to deceive and to destroy the proverbial wolf in sheep's clothing. Over one Sunday, you might not be able to tell that they are fake, but over a period of time, a bad tree will expose itself. The fruit exposes itself. Now, that's not the context. I don't want to talk about false prophets. I'm not. But for our purposes today, we want to take the principle that fruit is proof. Fruit is proof. John 13, 35, he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Again, here is the principle. Fruit is proof. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How will the world know, if they use this metric of definition, how will they know the true disciples? Well, because the fruit is evident. You, you can't tell just looking at somebody by the clothes that they wear that they're disciples. I mean, you might be able to tell in a modest, in, in modesty, uh, you, know, um, you know, if you're looking at it through that sense. But then again, I don't even want to go down that road right now. The, the point is Jesus said, there is something that will be so visible, it, it, it will be so obvious that that, that uh, maybe along with other things, but this in, in particularly, will be proof of something. So the fruit is proof. He said, it will prove to the world. The world obviously, again, is carnal-minded. It's oblivious to strictly spiritual realities. So he said, there must be some visible evidence of this for this to be proven out. There must be more that proves who we are and whose we are than just mere words. There's gotta be something, again, that proves who we are and whose we are than just mere words. Anybody can mimic. Anybody can parrot. I mean, my goodness, they've they've got birds that if you work with them long enough, they can they can say, Polly wants a cracker. But but that doesn't mean you can have an intelligent conversation, a spiritual conversation with the parrot. Just because it can talk doesn't mean it's of the Lord. You can understand that. Just because somebody can get up and preach and minister, and just because there's a gifting in demonstration doesn't mean that the Lord is pleased with the person. He said, look at this in James, and I want you to consider this as we go on. This is what he says. He said, faith without works is dead. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, watch this and let us consider one another in order to what? Stir, to stir up love and good works. Verse 25 in the Amplified says, don't forsake or ne neglect assembling together as believers, as is the habit of some, but admonish. Now, this word means to warn, it means to urge, and it means to encourage one another and all the more faithfully, faithfully what? Gather together, be together, join up together. Why? Why? Listen, we're told to faithfully, especially as the end gets, gets closer, to get together and look for ways to stir each other to love, to stir each other to good works or what, a.k.a. 
fruit or what? Proof. Listen, you're, you're getting together, and it's really important in, in these last days that you get to, excuse me, you get to know one another. Again, man, we're not saying, uh, you know, go around like judgment eyes, going around, you know, like, like, you know, nothing in your life needs correction. But we're saying that it's just imperative to know who and whose you're running with even in the little things. Listen, you can be a born-again believer and the Lord deal with you. And uh, I'm not saying that you'll lose your salvation, but we're told in Revelations, uh, or excuse me, in the book of Revelation, that uh, the lamp, your candlestick, can be put out. If you're a minister or a pastor, listen, the Lord will work with you. He'll 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 encourage you. He, he'll work. I mean, go back to that uh parable in Matthew where the master's away and he comes back and he sees that one of his, um, uh, you know, one of his um, trees isn't bearing fruit. And he tells the guy that's tending that tree, said, cut that tree down. And, oh, I love this because we need this. But the guy said, wait, give me one more year. Let me work with it. Um, let me, um, let me work with it. And if by this time next year, it's not bearing fruit, then we'll cut it down. So there's mercy, mercy, mercy. God will get to you. He'll warn you. He'll he'll send the word to you. Somebody, somebody, somebody somewhere has to stand up and be bold and say, hey, look this. But if you deny it, if you reject it, then we know it's not a salvation issue. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation, but the Bible says that you could be demoted. You, you can be re repositioned, okay? And uh, we don't want to do that. But in the end days, he said, it's imperative. You do not forsake getting together. Why? Because you got to stir one another up to good work or to good fruit. They've got to bear fruit. You have to bear fruit worthy of the master or you're going to get cut out. That's just, that's what the Bible says. So we gather together in love. We gather together because we're interdependent. Okay. Now all believers are, but in particularly, wherever you go to church or, you know, I lead a ministry here, we, we are interdependent. It's vitally important that the ecosystem here among ourselves, this is why we're gathering together, encouraging one another, challenging one another, correcting one another, come on, uh, rebuking one another. Isn't that what he said? Good doctrine was for, for rebuke, correction. Why? So that you can be the man and woman that you were created to be, you can be equipped for every good work. You won't be lacking in anything. You won't be off in error. You won't be over in deception. We gather together to stir one another up to fruit. Hallelujah. Um, let's see here. I believe the Lord is going to hold our feet to the fire in this. He's asking for his body to not just be in word, but to show up in deed and in works as well. Word and deed together is a seamless expression. Again, God is merciful. God is long-suffering. Just even this morning, I'm just like, thank you, God. Thank you that you've had mercy on me and, and that you, you, are, you are working with me. I mean, Philippians tells us that the Holy Spirit, he's working with us both to will and to do. I thank God for that. I have needed help to will. You understand? I have needed help 
to hear a hard thing and then choose to do it. I've needed that help. I have desperately needed that help. God helps us. He works with us. But at the end of the day, because we are interdependent, he can't allow a poison or an unclean thing to contaminate the whole group. He will draw a line in the sand. He'll say, look, this right here has, has to be cut out. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. Listen, I forget what it's called. My father-in-law does gardens and stuff, and we've had tomato plants and other things. Well, on, on these plants, there's these little shoots, these little things that, that start to grow. And if you don't pick those things off, it begins to draw to itself. It's like a dummy shoot or something. I've, there's a technical word for it. But, it, but if you don't break it off, cut, or cut that off, the nutrients, the energy, the focus that needs to be over here on this branch to bear fruit, it, it distracts and it draws it away over here and it's going to produce a dud. Jesus said, don't do that. And he, he's pruning, he's, he's cutting. Why? Because he wants you to bear fruit. Listen, friend, again, at the end, end of the day, we are the branches, on the branches where the fruit is produced. He is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. The Father is the vine dresser, okay? And he is working diligently. The Father is working very diligently to make sure that all of his branches bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit worthy of the Father, then he's going to come in. He's going to work with you. And if you refuse that pruning process, he's going to cut you out because he will not tolerate the poison or the distraction He's not going to tolerate this person here that is causing others to lose or to be poisoned or to draw their attention away. Remember Corinthians. I mean, Paul brought a stern rebuke. He said, I came here. God wants you to hear spiritual things. But if, until you get this carnality taken care of, I can't speak to you as spiritual people, but only as carnal. And then he had a prescription for that carnality. What would rather uh, what would be preferable, what I would rather, is the Lord say, look, hallelujah, you've done your due diligence. You've kept yourself pure, clean, holy. Now, let me tell you about spiritual things. You don't want somebody coming in and giving you a rebuke. You want them coming in in, coming in and open up, opening up the scriptures to you. You want somebody coming in and opening up spiritual things. Hallelujah. And that'll come after correction. And so we say, God, examine my hands. Are my hands dirty? Is there anything in my heart, Father, that is keeping me from developing into who I am? I'm not trying to get anything. I'm trying to grow up into it. Hallelujah. Revelation 3.16, he says, but he said, you're lukewarm. Remember this? You're neither hot nor cold. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Hallelujah. Come on, say, but not here. Not me, Lord. Not us. Hallelujah. Our fruit is tangible and plentiful hallelujah oh thank you father all right go go with me to matthew 5 what time is it okay we got a couple minutes left look at matthew 5 matthew 5 16 oh come on somebody say it fruit is proof fruit is proof but the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience the gift isn't proof the gift isn't proof. The gifts and the callings are without repentance. The gift isn't proof. No, there is, um, because uh, that's that's the other thing. Remember in Thessalonians that the, the, the son of perdition, the son of lawlessness is going to have all kinds of signs and wonders. Listen, 
the demonstration of the gift is not proof that somebody is right with the Lord. Um, I mean, I don't want to just spill all of my dirty business on, on, on here, but in times past, I have demonstrated the gift and I was not in a place before the Lord that he was pleased with um, because the gift works. That's not what he's talking about. See, people look at the gift and say, wow, this person must be right with the Lord. No, you can actually be on your last leg and the gift still produce. People are looking at the spectacular. They're looking at the demonstration of the gift. There is a fruit of the ministry, but below the canopy of the demonstration, the Bible talks about that there's little foxes. Little things can be etching away at the root system of somebody's personal life. And, uh, but up here in the canopy, in the performance, uh, you know, in the Sunday show, in the Sunday performance, you know, a lot of that can become literally just a dramatic performance. You, you, you can memorize things. Uh, I mean, I can get up and, and preach and have not prayed or had any communication with the Lord at all because I've been doing this for so long. That's the dangerous thing about just giving people a pass based on gifting or the demonstration of a thing. Remember, Jesus said uh, to these people, he said, I never knew you, but they said, but Lord, people got healed. People were delivered. We cast out demons. We even preached in your name. But he said, but I didn't know you. You and I didn't have an approving relationship. I didn't approve of what you were doing. He said, depart from me. I didn't know you. I was talking to a minister friend of mine the other day, and he asked me, he said, have you ever looked at the scriptures where it talks about all these devout men and women in the scripture, but yet they weren't even born again? I said, oh my goodness. I never really thought about that. You know, parrots can parrot a thing they've been taught. There are, this is the danger of being raised in the church, but never having a legitimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Several years ago, I confronted one of my best friends. And, uh, and I told him, I said, look, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. You can't get a pass because you and I are friends. Uh, he was actually like a son in the faith. You know, we'd raised him up through youth group. He did everything. We did everything together. He went with us everywhere. He was my right-hand man. I mean, I loved him as, as a brother. And, uh, but one day the Lord began to, uh, give me some insight that really this young man had all the right actions. He was doing all the right activities. He was saying the right things, but in his heart, he didn't know the Lord. And I confronted him on that. And unfortunately in that situation, he didn't receive it. And, uh, and I haven't seen him since. Uh, he totally rejected me, uh, but not really rejected me. He rejected the word of the Lord. But that's what I'm saying. You can have all the right actions. You can learn a thing. Sometimes church, church activities, laying hands on the sick, praying for people, prophesying even. Uh, I was in another situation recently, and I uh, was getting some counsel about this particular person. And this is the first time that, that the Lord laid it out like this, but uh, the, the counsel was just reminding me that people who... Uh, have done a thing over and over and over and over and over that sometimes they begin to dip into the soul realm rather than the spirit realm. They don't really connect to the spirit of God. They just begin to prophesy. That's what this situation was. They, they just begin to prophesy out of the soul realm. But keen people can tell the difference. And I was beginning to pick up on something. That's why I went to go get counsel. I was like, wait a second. 
something just doesn't seem right here. And it's not that this person is in such error that they'll lose their salvation. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the Lord will come in and he'll begin to prune and cut and even demote. Remember, this is what the Lord said. He says, humble yourself and I will lift you up. If pride gets in your heart, sometimes very gifted people can get prideful. Uh, you can get prideful anyways, but I'm saying sometimes the gift is so spectacular, pride gets lifted up. The, one of the only remedies for pride is demotion uh, or humiliation. Uh, it's humbling, but, it, but that process is called humiliation. And that's the Lord's attempt to get your attention, hallelujah, before literally you're just a train wreck. And there will be a humiliating um, series of activities or a sequence of, uh, uh, of events. The Lord's trying to get to your heart. But if we come into this thing humble, he says, I'll lift you up. I'll lift you up. This young man, he, even now I'm thinking about him. I, just, I, just, I miss him so. But I just believe that the word of the Lord will continue to work in his heart. But, but, but what I'm saying is you can have a form, but you'd be far from God. You can do all these great things. You can take up the offering. Uh, you can administer communion. I mean, that's a fearful thing. You can be on the worship team. You can be ministering. You could be a traveling minister. But yet you have a demonstration and your heart not be right with the Lord. This is what he's saying. He said, eventually, eventually that will catch up with you because what's in the heart is going to come out. It's going to come out. You cannot hide it indefinitely. And the Lord gives people opportunity. He gives them time sometimes lots of time. He's long-suffering. But at the end, end of the day, he said, you must bear fruit. He didn't say bear gifts. He said bear fruit. He's not saying bear demonstrations of your gifting. He said you got to bear fruit. And sometimes the fruit that he's looking for has nothing to do with your gift. In fact, he would rather you not get distracted and caught up in just the demonstration of the gift. He would rather have your heart. Hallelujah. And many good people, good ministers, God has removed them off the platform because he'd rather have their heart. Hallelujah. God, I want you to have my heart. Um, don't, don't you? Don't you want God to have your heart? Man, I've been spared. There's been so many times I've thanked God that I didn't have the opportunity to be on that stage or that stage or have that microphone because, you know, that's a, fear, that's a fearful thing. Uh, I'd rather just, ha God, have my heart. <laughs> I mean, we say, God, I'll do whatever you want, want me to but I don't want to get caught up in the limelight of the gift, you know, because people will clap for the gift and totally give you a pass on the garbage in your heart. So he, he says this in Matthew five, he says, let your light shine. He didn't say, let your gift shine. He said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Now the gift, I'm not diminishing gifts. Gifts are awesome, but I'm saying you can't get caught up in just the wildness the spectacularness. Sometimes it's the small things that are more pleasing to the Lord. First Timothy 4.12 says, let no one despise you. Uh, let no one despise your devotion. Now here it says youth. You know, if you're familiar with that verse, it says, let no one despise your youth. But, but I think more so, uh, I don't think that people were just saying, oh, Timothy, you're so young. I think what people were really despising more was his devotion. And that's what the Holy Spirit ministered to me. I just submit that to you to do with as you see. But he says, let no one despise your devotion. I think that's really what the Spirit of the Lord was telling Timothy. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. Don't let people despise your devotion. Because he went on to say, be an example in your word. 
Be your, be an example in your conduct. Be an example in spiritual things. Be an example in faith. And then lastly, he said, be an example in purity. Don't let anybody despise you because of your stand for purity. Purity in your personal life. Listen, God sees. Maybe, maybe no one else sees. And you, you can have people around you that shh, won't tell, but God sees. You can have... You can surround yourself with people that will give you a pass, but God still sees. And he said, be an example in purity. Behind the scenes where no one else sees, be an example. And don't let anybody despise you because behind the scenes where no one else sees but God, you live a pure lifestyle that's above reproach. Lord, help me on that. Hallelujah. I ask, I ask for grace on that in the name of Jesus. You have the right to see things in me. You know, and uh, I told our congregation that once. You have the right to see things in me. And I have the right to see things practiced and developed in you. You have a right to inspect my fruit. I have a right to inspect your fruit. The body, see, because we're a body. You know, my knee, my foot, my shoulders... They have a right to make sure that the rest of my body is doing. You know what? The rest of my body has a right uh, to speak up and say, hey, 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 that garbage you're putting down your mouth, it's poisoning us. It's poisoning us. Those drugs, that alcohol, those activities, that food, whatever, that garbage that you're putting in, you, your body has a right to say, hey, bro, what's up, man? Because what you're putting in is going to affect us. Why? Because we're a body. You're not interdependent. The stomach is not independent of the rest of the body. Whatever the stomach, okay, whatever the stomach calls food, whether it's poison or healthy, is going to affect the rest of the body. The knee has a right to say, hey, bro, you're hurting me. The foot has a right to say, hey, you might want to check up on what you're eating because I can't do my job because of the inflammation due to the foods that you're eating. I can't do what I'm called to do in this body if you keep feasting on foods that's hurting me. Again, you have the right to see things in me. I have the right to see things in you. I have the right to inspect. Now, if I'm in the body. Now, listen, I'm not talking about going around. I don't go around and point my finger at unrelated events, situations, people, pastors, churches, ministries, televangelists, whatever. I'm talking about those that God has called you to run with. The body has a right to see your righteousness practiced. Listen, the body has a right to see righteousness practiced. Again, the goal is not perfection. Oh, what are you saying, Justin? Everybody's got to be perfect. Well, nobody's perfect like you, Justin. Nobody's perfect like you, Justin. No, 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 uh -uh. no, no, no. No, that's not the goal. The goal isn't perfection. The goal is maturity. And the goal is rather the fruit or the pursuit of fruit, the pursuit of fruit fruit. Look at this in verse 13. This is Paul's admonition to Timothy here. Chapter 4, verse 13. Listen to this. He said, till I come. So you're going to do this in his absence. Listen, the master is absent right now. And he expects us to be doing something until he returns. Uh, if you go back to that parable about when he came back and he said, look, I've been gone and this tree hasn't bore fruit. Cut it down. Guess what? The master wasn't there to micromanage you. Hello, somebody. 
You think somebody's going to be looking over your shoulder, micromanaging you? No, no, no. This is your responsibility to take care of yourself. Now, Holy Spirit's going to help you. Father's working. The vine dresser, the vine. I get that. What I'm saying is for that period of time, the master was gone. Listen, he's going to return and he expects that you've taken advantage of his word. You've taken advantage of the Holy Spirit and you've taken the seed of the word and you've developed it to where it has produced fruit in you. And when he comes back, he's going to examine. Listen, Paul said, till I return, here's what you're going to do in the meantime. He said, give attention to reading in public was the understanding there. Uh, give attention to uh, reading in public, to exhortation and to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift. So we're not saying neglect the gift, but we're saying don't be wowed by the gift. You can operate in the gift and have an impure heart. You got to watch that. The demonstration of the gift is not the metric in which God judges. He looks at the heart. Uh, he told this to, to Saul. Samuel was like, what's going on? God said, everyone's judging Saul by, look, he's a good looking guy. He's tall. Uh, look at him. He's strong. He's gifted. I mean, perfect fit. But God said, look, everyone else is judging him by the external. I've looked at his heart. And he and the, and the in that situation, I, I mean, that's how Paul, Saul got in. Um, God really looked at, at, at the heart. He was anointed. And then again, God came back and he examined him. And at that point, he removed the anointing. But for a time, he still operated in the gifting. He was still, he was still king. Kingship is a gift in that sense. He still operated in that. He was still wowing and razzling and dazzling people because he was still tall. He was still a strong. He was still gifted. But the anointing was lifted. Why? Because God looked at the heart. So Paul is telling him, he said, look, till I come back. He said, do not neglect the gift. Work it. He said, I want to see it, which was given to you by prophecy and by the laying on of hands. But he said, look at this. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that you're what? Your progress may be what? Come on, evident to all. Listen, Paul is telling Timothy that your example in conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity, he said, is going to be evident. He said, work on those things until I return. There is a work, a spiritual progress that is visible. It's lived out. We should be able to watch you grow and become skilled and capable in spiritual things. You're not going to hide that. In fact, the adverse is true. He's saying that is going to be evident. In fact, it's supposed to be evident because the fruit is the proof. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you for it. Let me see here. Where should I close this today? Um, all right, let's go to, uh, let's close here. First John 2. So our, First John, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, that, that book of First John is giving us some very, uh, important insight into how to navigate the days in which you and I are currently living in. First John 2, 3 says, now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Again, I'm not saying that we don't make mistakes. Remember, it's not about perfection, but it is most certainly about the intentional fruit. If you can't summarize my life as being a disciple of Jesus by the fruit that is present, one would have to call me into question. Look at it, verse 3. He says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. This is the New Living uh, translation. Verse 4, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. Verse 5, but those who obey God's word truly show completely that they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Verse 6, those who say they live in God should live 
as Jesus did. We could summarize that last verse there, verse 6. Those who say it should live it. Hallelujah. And that is living proof. I think I said um, we were going to close there, so we should. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This has been the Grace for This City podcast. Hallelujah. And I believe that the word of the Lord has come forth today for you to encourage you and, and to challenge you. You should be challenged. Don't shy away from a challenge. Don't shy away from examination. Hallelujah. And particularly when the Lord is in it. Now, I'm, there's a lot of nosy folk. There's a lot of people that need to you know, put their business somewhere else. I'm talking about those that you are uniquely knit and joined with. It is okay to examine fruit. Hallelujah. So go out there, friend, and say, Father, examine me. Look at my hands, Lord. This, this should be our prayer. Examine me. Are my hands dirty? Are my hands clean? Look at my heart. What are, what's in my blind side here? What's been trailing me that I need to cut off? Hallelujah. Get in there and let the Lord help you, friend. Oh, I'm telling you, his goal is fruit. You're going to bear a lot of fruit. Hallelujah. It's going to be wonderful. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, if we can help you in any way, if we can pray with you, agree with you on something, it would be our honor to do so. Several ways to reach out to us. You can call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. Or you can send us an email. Hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. I want to give a big shout out to all of our partners, our friends, people who believe in us. Thank you so much. Even some of you who have even financially contributed to the podcast, there's a little bit of a cost to do the, the podcast. I want to say thank you. Hallelujah. And because of you, we're in the nations. So um, if you would like to continue to participate in that or you would like to join those who currently do, Several ways to do that. If you're in the United States, you can text the give, 84321, the number 84321. Follow the prompts. You can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give, or if you'd like to write a check, mail it to P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. Thank you so much today, friends. Thank you for joining me. And until next time, be blessed. <laughs>